Welcome to the Move Local Podcast. Our mission is to connect the movers and shakers of the Duntas and Hamilton area who pride themselves on growing a healthier and more connected community. We will do this through having conversations around health, education, entrepreneurship, and much more. We want to be part of helping you move confident, move free, and move local. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Move Local Podcast, brought to you by The Movement. My name's Dalton, and I'm coming at you guys with another episode this week. Thank you for tuning in. If you aren't subscribed to the podcast, make sure you head over to your podcast platform and subscribe so you don't miss out on any of our new episodes. And you can head over to our Instagram page, move.local, to see clips of the show. We're doing our best to get some video content this year, um, so you can keep on the lookout for that. But today, I'm super excited to be sitting down with Carly Crawford. She is the owner of Collaborative Clinical Practice. She's a psychotherapist, and we're going to dive into mental health and psychotherapy and some of the awesome things she's doing over here at um, her business. So, Carly, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. How's your day been so far? Pretty good. Yeah. 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 Tell me it was Mondays. a little bit of a weird Monday for you. Yes. Me. Yes. It is a bit of a weird Monday, but that's okay. Mondays are usually usually a really long day for me, so it's nice to have a, a bit of a break in the schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Get to have yeah. a conversation about yes. all the things that you do. Yeah. And the weekend was great. Yeah. Well, because of the sun. We got to I see know. the sun. I know. It's yeah. gone now today as I we know. sit here and record this, but it was very yeah. nice to have This is kind of our norm, right? I know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to maybe kick it off with like your kind of journey into the profession of psychotherapy. Yeah. I think that'd be really great to like set the context and okay. then we can dive into like your business and like all the stuff that you guys yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I was reflecting on this question this morning, and I think I would have, my answer has probably changed over time, which might seem a little bit bizarre, but Mm. um, reflecting on it this morning, I think I've always been the type of person that was very, knew I wanted to do something very, in in the field of nurturing and caring, I I thought I was going to be an early childhood educator, I started off working in daycares, and then... um, it was uh, early experience of my undergrad where one of my professors really took me under his wing. It was I was a health studies major and didn't know what I wanted to do and um, opened me into the world of mental health. What I used to always say was that it was my personal experience with mental illness and being a patient in our mental health care system. Um, I think that it's, it's, it's definitely a combination of, of the two things. So that brought me into the field to start doing work um, from a volunteer standpoint and then to get to this this position where I'm working as a private one-on-one private practice psychotherapist. Uh, I started off in the not-for-profit world, so I'm working at a resource, being the executive director of an eating disorder resource support center and I think that through that experience um, really recognizing the need to have more one-on-one care with that population and then um, experiencing the barriers to um, getting funding for mental health services and um, everything that we went through as a not-for-profit. I started doing private practice on the side and then um, after I had my first child in 2011, I just continued on with doing private practice mm-hmm. on my own at the time. So your question was, how did I get to this point? It's a very yeah. big question. Yeah, but no, but I think like it's interesting. Your you know the journey into it is very yes. similar um, to to my journey into physio, and I think a, a lot of people and, and can relate maybe to to you saying like, oh, I experienced you know what it was like to go through the system yes. of dealing with mental health and probably yeah. interacting with therapists and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. similar on my front is I had interacted with physiotherapists, which is kind of what ended up having an influence mm-hmm. on driving me to learning more about the profession. Mm-hmm. And then from my perspective, I always um, saw that there's plenty of opportunities to utilize a lot of the skills that I would like in a job through the platform of physiotherapy. Yeah. And that became like what drove me into like working into physio and getting in there eventually. So it mm-hmm. seems very similar in that sense mm-hmm. of like utilizing the service and then realizing it's something that you wanted to contribute to. Mm-hmm. And then I find like once you get into something like this, 
at least from my perspective, it was always like, okay, well, what can I do to maybe add more to the profession and improve the way that we deliver care or access to care or whatever it may be? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think um, for those of us in the mental health field, we will say that it's it's not always necessarily a a good experience that led us to wanting to do this, Um, but the... um, lack of care that was yeah. available. So that's a, a pretty poignant thing in, in my experience with my um, challenges that I faced from a mental health standpoint was that there wasn't any care. So that was a big driving force in the original not-for-profit that we had was it was a completely barrier-free, you know, no wait list, no cost, um, no referral needed. Um, so having that to be something that, you know, wanting to create that space for people to be able to come, which is kind of what, I guess, what we're doing here too. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And I think that um, access to care is probably something that continues to be yeah. a challenge in today's day and age. I would say it's probably, and this is my, me from an outside perspective, because I don't really know a lot mm-hmm. of the details around it. I would imagine it's better than it's been, but there's still room for improvement in terms yeah. of being able to have people access um, care would be my guess. Yes, and we could do a whole other podcast on that. I think, uh, unfortunately, um, there's probably more available care if you have the fee, the the financial access. Um, So it seems like there's a lot more private therapists kind of, um, but in terms of accessing care, through our hospital system or health, it's it's, it's a bit of probably worse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Since COVID, for yes. sure. Yeah, yeah. And I guess what what, what I'd want to like start with the conversation too is like I know there's a lot of different access to different types of therapy. So there's like mm-hmm. psychologists, there's psychotherapists, there's all like there's yeah. different terms for yes. it, right? So I, I'd be curious to hear like from your perspective what you do as a psychotherapist. Like, mm-hmm. what would you define that as, and how do you approach? your care and working with people. Yeah, so um, the controlled active psychotherapy, a lot of people would be surprised to hear that it actually wasn't regulated until 2015, mm-hmm. So, yeah. which is kind of terrifying for some of us that have been doing yeah, this no, for no. a while. Um, but basically psychotherapy is a type of talk therapy that um, what we're doing is we're really looking to have a there's a a very defined kind of beginning and an end to the session. What we work to is we're meeting the client where they're at and probably helping individuals everywhere from people that have a diagnosis that has been given not by us, but from a trained professional that can do that to folks that want to come into psychotherapy that are honestly dealing with day-to-day stressors, right? So psychotherapists are trained in different modalities that range in, a whole bunch of different styles and many of us would be trained in a couple different modalities or there are therapists that would be like strictly a DBT therapist for example so all of us here and myself included tend to draw from different philosophies and different backgrounds in terms of our modalities and what we actually do with our clients um, but psychotherapy is is really about you know coming in and being able to recognize the value of working through some of the things that are going on in your day-to-day life so looking at that can be what's happening right now some of that is a bit of psychoanalysis looking at things that have happened in the past Um, but what we find is that we're really helping individuals to draw the connections between like how outside stressors are impacting our day-to-day our our mood our physical health our relationships pretty pretty much all aspects right? yeah 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 and i think that it's it's interesting to see all the underlying factors that get influenced mm-hmm. by like those types of mm-hmm. struggles like you're saying your physical health your relationships mm-hmm. like you don't even realize that these things are being impacted until you yes. start to reflect yep. on them um and sometimes it's hard to reflect on your own so having yes. guidance from someone to have that conversation with like i see how that would be extremely beneficial to mm-hmm. finding some type of solution or pulling on some type of thread that can guide you towards mm-hmm. controlling those things or mm-hmm. managing those things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i think a lot of people think that it's about you know you book an appointment and you come in and you talk about your your problems and then we tell you how to fix it which is your yeah not the case yeah. um so we are very much about 
well, I, I should say I am very much about you know empowering our clients to kind of recognize their their strengths and kind of meeting the clients where they are um, and perhaps being able to offer some insight and drawing some of those connections for them right yeah it's very it's interesting because like I'm obviously a healthcare professional mm-hmm. and I work with people and I think there's a lot of crossover between like what physical health can do for mental health, mental health can do for physical health. There's yes. like so much relation yeah. to that. And and even for me, someone who who personally knows the benefit of psychology mm-hmm. and like like those types of modalities, like it took me so long to step into accessing that care yeah. for a lot of those reasons that, you know, you talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's a lot of like, even for someone who knows, there's some misconceptions around like what it is like to actually... Oh, huge. Um, yeah. Do like do therapy. And, yeah. and it was like something that really opened my eyes when I finally did like step into that realm. Mm-hmm. Um, when it, when it came to like identifying some things that you talked about in terms mm-hmm. of like reflecting back and yeah. how's that impacting you now and some of the decision making things that you're doing in your life today. So, um, it's a, it's a very powerful thing when you step into it, but I imagine the barriers to getting there is like what's most challenging for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are so many barriers. Yeah. 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 I'd be curious to see, is there, is there like some, I know this is like a wide ranging thing because there's so many different populations that you're probably seeing and whatnot, but like, what are some of the common barriers that you hear or that people probably are going through when it comes to like taking that step to accessing therapy outside of, let's say maybe like the financial barrier that we know is something that can influence that. Yeah. Um, maybe more of some of like the the mental barriers that mm-hmm. people might be experiencing mm-hmm. or stigmas around therapy. Totally. Yeah. Good question. Um, I think the biggest, uh, there is still a lot of misconceptions, right? About what mental health is and what mental illness looks like and what this space, what we do here. So I think that even understanding when you say you're talking to a friend and you're like, you know what, maybe you should talk to someone. Like it sounds like this is, you're going through a really hard time. Um, what that looks like, I don't think people understand because we don't really talk about it, right? So it's not necessarily something we tend to work kind of in our own little silos, um, which I think is a huge problem, but that's why like connecting with other healthcare professionals so that we can have this kind of collaborative to say, okay, like, do you understand what happens in this space and why it's beneficial for the healing of the pain in your body or whatever the case may be? Um, So I think that there's a lot of misconceptions. It's just not something that's talked about. I think there still is a lot of shame that's associated with needing help and being able to recognize the value, um, which brings me to, I think, time, right? So we see a lot of folks that, you know, to, to take the time to recognize that they need help takes time to actually physically be able to get here for yeah, your appointment, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I think that people don't necessarily realize that, you know, you can come to one appointment, which is great, like taking your first step, but um, chances are you're going to need to keep coming. And so, which I'm sure is similar to Very physio. Yeah. Um, so there's a big barriers. And then, as you said, like different, I think different demographics, different populations there's there's different barriers right yeah yeah yeah, for sure and um yeah I like the the idea about time because it it, that time between like maybe going to therapy comes into your mind Mm -hmm. between actually making the decision like okay I'm going to do therapy like that time can be very long Mm -hmm. then the time to like okay now I know I need a therapy now I need to book a session Mm -hmm. and find the time to come in and do that like that that can be a long process I'd imagine for Mm -hmm. some people um but what I've realized from my own experience is that once you finally come to do that you realize that like once you get into what it can do for you all that time that you're worried about investing or the time it took is like you're most of the time like oh I wish I would have prioritized Mm -hmm. this way more way more so it's like this Mm -hmm. weird thing where we're like oh you know I don't I don't have the time to do this or I don't you know but then once you get into it you're like oh wow this is really helping me I wish I had done this way sooner is is my is my experience with it totally like so many other things we do in our life yeah right yeah it's very very transferable to like many yeah so I think with something like this, right, like a lot of us were brought up in generations where you don't talk about stuff and we're just supposed to be able to handle things. Mm -hmm. And um, 
so being able to really truly see the value in that is 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 super challenging but the time i think that's one of the things that i'm a little <laughs> i'm i tend to be quite um overprotective is the word that comes to mind but just this idea you know when somebody does take the up the chance to or the time to reach out and send us an email that they're interested in coming in for care we really do our best to like you know get back to that person in a suitable amount yeah, of time yeah. and or you know if we can't take them we tend to have a wait list here quite often to connect them to another person because obviously that is if that's the per first person is that the if that's the first time that person has reached out if you don't hear back for another couple of weeks, yeah. we're, we're a lot less likely to hear back from that. Totally. Person. And there's a lot of like, um, I always say this with, with our clients and like with like the clinicians that work for us is like, it's a very vulnerable thing to, yes. to ask for help, yes. to reach out. Even if it's just reaching out via email mm -hmm. for us, you know, we do a lot of phone calls. We have people walk in, we have people come in for initial assessment. Um, and I always remind them like how vulnerable that is mm -hmm. to like st stand out and ask for help yeah. and like to make sure that you really do it. We do everything we can to like value yeah. that decision that they for made, sure. because I think that goes a very long way mm -hmm. if you, when you're treating that time with a lot of respect, because I agree. it's challenging. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll often hear you're the first place to get back to us or whatever, but it's, it's a privilege, right? When somebody is giving you that little bit of insight in terms of what's going on in their life. Yeah. yeah. So when it comes to like maybe someone wanting to access like working with you or your team here, mm -hmm. like what is that, what does that process look like for anyone that, you know, would be interested in like working with therapists? Well, like how does that go? Do. Like what's that journey look like? Yeah. So what we, I think every clinic does things a, a little bit differently. What we find works is, um, we get, we ask individuals to fill out a little bit of a questionnaire that just gives us a little bit of insight in terms of which therapist will be probably equipped with the right amount of experience and skills to be able to help them. And then they have the opportunity to have a, a free phone call um, or a video call uh, with the therapist just to chat and give a little bit of ask a chance to ask questions, a chance for the therapist to explain a little bit more about what they do. Um, a lot of the research will show that, you know, we can have, I can have a thousand letters behind my name, but it's your connection with the therapist that is going to be the biggest predictor yeah. of you feeling some relief. Um, and then because we're at a position right now where we do have lots of practitioners that work here, this is a really hard thing for people. But if after your first session, you're not feeling something felt off, we do really encourage people like you can try somebody else here. Yeah. I don't. I think that's a really hard thing for people to rec to do because we live in a society of people pleasers. But um, that is a really important thing that I I tell people all of the time that like okay if it didn't feel right yeah your first therapy session is probably going to be really challenging, but keep trying. That does we're all different. We all approach this work a little bit differently, and um, finding that person that feels yeah most comfortable is important yeah that connection yeah. piece is so key and yeah. i could you know we value that a lot as uh as clinicians in, in physiotherapy mm -hmm. and i could imagine it's even more like enhanced mm. with like you know what you guys are doing and mm. i think it's so important and that was that was one thing that i always appreciated with like the um the therapist that i had sat down with was like mm. hey if this isn't a good fit for you like yes. and you're not feeling like this makes sense then we can find you someone yeah. or we can refer you somewhere that might make more sense. But yeah. the, the most important thing is that you're feeling comfortable with like the interactions that you're, yeah. that you're having. So, yeah, absolutely. Which is, which is great. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that other people are encouraging that because I think it's, you, you do, I hear a lot of people, I think I hear that a lot more so in my personal life, but you know, friends or family members that will say, you know, I tried and it, didn't feel good. I tried good. physio or I tried yeah. therapy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, you're like, okay, well, try, try Keep trying. again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and and, and, we, and I, uh, it's funny. I just posted on Instagram about this on my own Instagram because I think it's like something that's super important. And I really try to remind like all my clients or, you know, people in my life. It's like, there's someone out there that can help mm -hmm. you and like can, can continue to push to mm -hmm. find that person. And it's a, you know, I, I hope we get to a point where like, you know, we have more clinicians out there that can continue to align with people, but there is someone out there that's willing to like work well with you yeah. and get alongside you and help you and take you that totally way. Like agree. as much as it's easy to just say like, don't give up. It's really important that you continue to try to pursue yes. finding someone that can support mm -hmm. you and your goals. Totally. Yeah. 
totally. Because I think especially in this line of work or just being a human, we tend to be really hard on ourselves. And so, you know, there might be some inner dialogue around, well, I didn't do therapy right or I didn't, you know, I must have been doing something wrong because it didn't help. And it's like, no, that's, that's, that's not the case. It's okay to, you know, identify that that, you know, you didn't feel comfortable with this or that or that something made it seem like it would be hard for you to keep trying, right? Yeah. yeah. And I would imagine, like, there's so much layers to us as humans and, like, the experiences that we have and mm-hmm. the things that we're going through that it might just take time to, like, uncover what that is. Yeah. And, like, the one thing that I really appreciated from the therapist that I worked with and it really shifted my mind around um, around working with a therapist was I always had this fear that, like, when I would go in to see a therapist that it would just be like opening Pandora's box and like all of my deepest, darkest, like things would come flying out and I wouldn't know how to manage them. I wouldn't know how to handle them. Yes. So I was very, I was very scared of that. Um, and I, I remember telling her this and she told me that like your body will let these things come out as they're ready. And it's mm. not just going to come flying out of there all yep. at once. And like when you're ready to have those things show themselves or we get to it, um, it will come. And it really put me at ease because that was like one of my biggest right. fears. And it it's something that I've continued to like think about and I've mentioned it to other people because I feel like that's a barrier mm-hmm. sometimes or something that people are feel fearful of. And I think to our point here is that, you know, if it didn't work, didn't work the first time or you didn't get to that end result the first time, it's like continuing to pull on that thread and unravel yeah. what is underneath that because mm-hmm. there might be more to it that eventually will put the whole story together and will 100%. make sense, right? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that brings up, you know, just, you know, maybe some important conversations about what, you know, what is to be expected when you're in this space. And I think there's a certain amount of discomfort that you can feel when Mm -hmm. you're here and it's nerve wracking to come in. I think that I, I would always wish that want people to have the ability to, you know, mention that in session, just as you said, like, this is, these are the things that I'm worried about. These are the things that I think are going to be harder for me and then being able to work with a therapist that can explain a big part of the controlled active psychotherapy is really ensuring that your client understands the why behind any sort of intervention so that consent piece around okay so this is perhaps what I think we could talk about how does that feel for you and I think that that's where that collaboration and seeing that client on the same level versus that fear that I think a lot of people have, which is that you're going to come in here and I'm going to tell you like, okay, we need, we have to do this, this, and this, and this. And mm-hmm. that's the only way that you're going to be able to get to whatever, you know, the next thing is in your life kind yeah. of thing. So another misconception, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I, I, I could see that. Um, I, I think it, this kind of maybe ties into uh, an Instagram post that I saw you guys post and like, you might not remember this, but um, it was, it was something along the lines of saying like, what is scarier, the thought of trying to talk about how hard things are or living your life wondering if things could be better. Mm-hmm. And I was curious to like chat a little <laughs> bit about that. Cause like I really, it like resonated with me, like okay. the, the quote. And I was just wondering like if there was anything that, you know, you would elaborate like further on that thought about like what is scarier, the thought of trying to talk about how hard things will be or living, living your life wondering if things could be better. And I think it's that idea of like, for me anyway, when I read this, it was like, that. it's that idea of like, um, taking that step and having the courage to like go and ask for help and face the challenge of that versus like, also what would be hard is if you live your life wondering about the fact that could this be better, you know? Yeah, exactly. So I think it it was really, I write all of the Instagram posts, it's just a chance for me to rant about whatever I'm feeling at the moment. Um, So I think that it's really, you know, uh, trying to help people to to normalize this process again and also just, you know, some feelings that I was having or that I have ongoing of, you know, seeing people that are just, that are suffering. This is more in my personal circles, right? Obviously the people that are coming in here are making the steps that need to be done. and just feeling a, a, a huge amount of empathy with understanding how hard it can be, but just wishing that it wasn't so misunderstood, right? So recognizing that, yeah, I get it, it's hard, and trust me, I do understand that, and why are we so comfortable with the alternative, which is 
the, you know, being in the same day-to-day -day suffering in some cases. Which is also very hard, right? Of so course, I think like yeah. it comes back to that idea of like, well, they're both really hard mm -hmm. in, in choosing what kind of hard you want to go down because like it's hard to take that step into yes. going down this this like path of trying to figure this out. Yep. But it's also really hard to stay in that suffering and or wonder what it would be like to, to get out of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a lot of similarities to what I do. And it's very hard to be in pain or injured mm -hmm. or not doing something that is meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. And it's also very hard to take a step into the journey of rehab and trying to take control of your health and improve that yep. situation so that you can get back on the path. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of people get um, turned away or don't take that step in because of that perceived hard yeah. but I think it's important to talk about the other hard which is like if you don't do that mm -hmm. what is the outcome mm -hmm. right um, mm -hmm. and that for most of us like we're all having challenges in our own way but most of us are going through something hard that's relatively challenging for us and like I think it's a normal thing for a lot of us to go through that mm -hmm. and trying to normalize the fact that like yeah you know you're struggling I'm struggling we're all struggling in some sense let's mm -hmm. try to figure out how we can like manage this in totally. your own way right yeah um so it just kind of resonated with me because i think there's a lot of crossover between like a lot of the barriers i see with, from people wanting to take a step into rehab mm -hmm. as well with that kind of thought totally and and i think that um at here and in, in my professional experience you know working with certain populations and and certain populations that may be impacted by behaviors that are really kind of impacting their day-to-day -day life. So whether that's struggling with addiction, um, substance use and abuse, um, eating disorders fall into that category where, yes, it's scary to think about leaving some of those things behind. It's scary to think about getting sober. It's scary to think about, you know, challenging the behaviors of your eating disorder. And it is also challenging to stay in where you're at. So I think that sometimes offering those little gentle reminders. It's so hard, right? Because like, I would imagine from my perspective with this, when I, when I do it from a rehab perspective is like, I have a lot of, of like, I think empathy would be the right word yeah. for that individual knowing like, like can almost feeling what they're going through in some sense, yeah. you know, and knowing like from my own personal experience, how hard it is to actually go on that journey. Totally. And it's like, you want to meet them where they're at and like, definitely like make them feel okay about that but at the same time you're like okay how do i help like show you the path and then we can get yep. alongside each other and try to work together mm -hmm. forward and it's like it's like this ever contrasting challenge as a clinician totally to, to do that you know yes yeah <laughs> i think you you're you're you nailed it i think that's where i always say so people will ask me when i first started off in the field I think that the organization I worked with almost used me as a bit of a poster child, like, oh, look, she she had that. So mm. like, and look, she's doing better now kind of right. a thing. I think that the older I get and the further away from that, you know, talking about my personal experience is not very common, but the fact that I have a personal experience, I don't know how to be a therapist without having that, but I know that it, it completely impacts that level of empathy. It True. also impacts, you know, um, the feelings that you have as a clinician when you see somebody suffering and you know that you have a, a bit of a different understanding of what that feels like. Um, and I, I, in some circles, my clients and, you know, I'm fairly well connected with some of the communities. They'll say like, I want to come see you Carly. Cause you're, I know you're going to, you're not going to, you're not gonna put up with any of my shit and you're gonna be hard yeah. on me, which is like not a very good, um, it's not necessarily what most therapists would wanna be known as, but I think that that comes from that part of me that recognizes that in some cases that um, that, under, that deeper level of understanding of, of the, that, that struggle. So it's, it's very, it's it's a it's a it's a balancing act as you said because people right? are looking for you to help them and yeah. push them and that accountability yeah. and that yeah. kind of thing but you also know as a clinician when it comes to behavior change and yes. making these things happen that like you sometimes can't just like 
be extremely hard or you have to make it successful in a way that's not going to drive the long term yeah long and so you're balancing those things in your mind while constantly trying to make sure that you're you know meeting the person where they're at who's in front of you so it's a very it's a big challenge that i can relate to (laughs) um, quite a bit but i want to touch on the um you know i think you you talked about like the lived experience and I know that you guys have an upcoming event mm-hmm. called Misunderstood mm-hmm. and that's around eating mm-hmm. disorders and I know you're mm-hmm. putting that on and it's around yeah. like your lived experience with that. Um, so one, I'd love for you to touch on that in any way that you feel like makes sense. Okay. But what I wanted to get to was like, I think there's a, and I talk about this with like our clinicians at, at the movement a lot and I think about it for myself, is like there's a lot of value to having some type of lived experience mm-hmm. and helping the people that are in front of you. Yeah. And I think it doesn't necessarily have to be like, you have to go through, I have to go through this injury to be able to treat this injury. Right. But going through the process of rehab or going through the process of doing something that's very challenging, like let's say addressing some type of mental health issue that you might have for yourself Mm -hmm. or, you know, going and pursuing something like training for a marathon from our perspective and like learning like what it's like to go through that process, how it is to like fail on your own, how it is to overcome those mental barriers where you don't want to do things Mm -hmm. or um, learning how you respond to that, Mm -hmm. I find can be very helpful to Mm -hmm. offering thoughts and suggestions to people who are going through a process that might not be the exact same, but in a similar fashion. Totally. And so like, I think the lived experience is interesting and I would love to hear like you touch on that a little bit and and talk a little bit about what you guys have coming up because I think there's a lot of value to what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. Um... I think, you know, lived experience, when you're talking about it in the context of being a therapist, is is not something that's always been very well received. And I think when I first started in the field, um, you know, I'd I'd be sitting around tables and be very ashamed to talk about anything that I experienced. Um, But that's really changed in the mental health world in the last, I'd say, five years. So it's, 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 I think people are recognizing um, a, that our system isn't perfect, and so perhaps some of the the treatments and the evidence-based kind of approaches are maybe needing some work and that we actually need to listen to people and their experiences and kind of use that to help us learn how to help people from a mental um, health and mental illness standpoint. I think, um, as I just said, kind of in our last, that last bit of information I was sharing, like, I don't know how to do this work without having a lived experience. It's not like I... S- started and then what thrusts you into the exactly right so I think that um that being said I think that it it definitely what my clients will say is that you know they can just tell that I get it on a different level right I don't think that you you know just an FYI like if you're sitting in a therapy session and and the therapist is talking more about their experience than hearing what you have to say I would I would question that but it's more about um things like bigger themes like understanding what it feels like to be you know somebody who didn't understand what was going on with them and really needed somebody to help them to understand kind of why my brain was working in a certain way or help me to or understand what it's like to be asking for help and not have any help and so like there's a lot of different layers that kind of help from a lived experience perspective and for me unfortunately you know my lived experience um really did take me to quite a a dark place where, you know, things could be very different for me right now. Um, And it extends beyond just my personal experience, but to close friends and close family members and, and that sort of thing that I believe really does I think that it makes me more passionate about this work. Um, probably leads to the lots of hours that have <laughs> that are spent in this space yeah, yeah. Um, but it does uh, make it that much more rewarding as well um, I think that this event coming up is um, you're gonna see me like look really uncomfortable right now because it's it's not something that basically I think why we're doing it is two reasons um, so back in November or October I had a speaker come um, another local guy, he works at Mohawk. Um, 
I met him through Good Life actually. So he was, uh, he is an individual that talks very openly about his experience with suicide and depression. And I, we were trying to really make, um, just reduce some of the stigma, stigma associated with men coming into the therapy space. And um, I had approached Nick to ask him to come and speak and he came and spoke and it was um, in honor of um, one of my best friends who I lost, um, he died by suicide this summer. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, thank you. Um, so Nick came and he spoke about his experience and I sat and I kind of listened. And then a couple of the therapists mentioned that, hey, my client has asked about your experience. <laughs> and like, um, so I said, okay, I'll, we'll, we'll do another thing here. I think that sometimes I f take for granted and maybe forget that it could be very helpful for people to listen to somebody talk about like getting to the other side. Yeah. Um, so that event in particular is just to kind of help, I guess, reduce the stigma and help people kind of understand. Um, I will be talking a bit about kind of some of the things that I experienced. Um, it's Eating Disorder Awareness Month mm -hmm. or week. And so part of my diagnosis was having an eating disorder. And I think that that's one of the things that people really don't understand. And so um, being able to maybe talk a little bit more openly about kind of what that means and also how that impacts me as as, as a therapist and a yeah. individual, yeah. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And I think like, I, I think that's gonna be a, a great event. Have you shared that story? Like the story that you're sharing at this event, have you spoken about like your yeah. experience to other people before? Or is this more of your first, like a first time? No, good question. Um, so I, the last, I, I did, I, I, yes. The answer to your question is yes. But every time I've done it so far, I think that, First of all, I think the first time I, I told my story, like my story wasn't, I, I don't even, I think it was way before I was ready. It was probably right. like 17 years ago. Right. Um, and then probably about six years ago, um, for the same reason I was asked to, to speak and did kind of the same thing. But I definitely am going to do it differently this time. It's crazy how much like getting older and life can. Yeah just kind of uncover different areas and wanting to kind of explain things from a different perspective. Yeah. Um, instead of like, okay, so this is what happened then and this is what happened then, just more about bigger themes and kind of helping people to understand uh, from that perspective, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really cool and that's like the what I think is so valuable, sharing like your own experiences and especially if like you're, you know, you're in, you're so in this space, like mm -hmm. you, I would imagine that you're, you continue to see ways that you can tell your story or tie your story into um, helping other people mm -hmm. more effectively. Mm -hmm. um, and like, and I think that's the, the cool part about that. And I think, I think that it, it's going to, it goes a really long way for people to share their perspectives. Um, and I think we as humans underestimate how impactful our own stories can be for other people who are just like us because we often think that we're nobody and like no one's really going to care about mm -hmm. what we say but mm -hmm. like most people in the world are very similar to each other totally right? and yeah. so they're going to relate relate yeah. to that and i think what enhances it being in the position that you are as like a psychotherapist is i think the fact that you're telling that story makes it even more powerful because in the medical world and in the healthcare space, there there seems to have been, and there's probably reasons for this, this hierarchy that's been created to where like you as a psychotherapist, this isn't the case, but you as a psychotherapist put up on this pedestal of like, I'm this perfect person that has no mm -hmm. issues. And like, you're talking down to this other person oh, who's totally, like yeah. struggling so much when that's obviously not the case, mm -hmm. but being able to break that down and like have more relatability between like, you know, you as the therapist and me as the individual seeing you, you're like, oh, okay. Like this makes me feel so much better. I, yeah. I see that a lot in our space as well. Yes. And I yeah. think it's really important that we continue to, to make that more on the same level. Um, and I think sharing lived mm. experiences is, is a great way to, to do that for people. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. I think that it's also, um, you touched on something important. Um, it's not just my story. So yes, this will be my story. And there are definitely aspects of my story that I will never share in this space. But, you know, the, the challenges that I had to face and the way that I was treated in certain circumstances, they're, they're stories that I hear all the time. And so trying to help people to see 
Um, again, kind of what you're saying that it's it's not it's not anything that people are doing wrong. And some of these challenges that we're facing when we go to get help for our mental illness are very systemic and are, you know, things that we have to help to educate people about so that it's not, um, we hear a lot of, you know, people talking about, well, feelings of failure, or I guess I wasn't sick enough, or like all of these things because certain diagnoses weren't caught or, you know, certain professionals didn't take them seriously or, whatever the case may be. So it's important to um, shed some light on that piece as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. When is that, when is that event? It's coming up, like it's uh, February. You don't have to, we can put the exact dates if you don't have them, but I know. It's February 21st. Yeah, as we record yeah. this podcast, it's yeah. the start of February, so this episode will probably come out before that event. So okay. um, check yeah. out, I know it's on your website, so check out yes. her, uh, yeah. the website, which I'll link in the show notes if you guys are interested in, okay. in learning more about that event. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a cool thing you're doing. Yeah, and so all of the money that is raised, I think that it's like 20 bucks, the tickets, it sounds so funny. Um, we have every clinician here has um, certain spots for sliding scale clients. So individuals that it's just harder for them to be able to afford to come in. Um, mm-hmm. So all of the funds that are raised from that will just go towards those those spots. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Um, I guess just to, to wrap up. Um, to wrap up the conversation, then we're going to transition into some fun rapid-fire questions, okay. and then we'll fully wrap up the podcast. Okay. Um, but uh, if uh, if there's anyone out there that's like thinking about wanting to utilize therapy and they've been on the fence about it, is there anything that you usually like to like share with people to maybe like in- encourage them to to step out into that mm-hmm. realm or is, or mm-hmm. something along those lines? Um, I, I think that it's it's important maybe to look at, really ask yourself the why behind it. So that might seem like a very obvious thing, but I think sometimes our initial instinct is just no, like I'm uncomfortable with that, but to really be able to say, okay, so what are you, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of being, are you worried about judgment? Are you, you know, one of the things that we didn't talk about in terms of barriers is, is you know, having somebody else in your life find out. So having a family member, where are you going? You know, those Mm. sorts of things, that's a barrier as well. So are you afraid of somebody finding out? Is it a safety concern? Um, And I guess, you know, social media is, and I'm sure my algorithm or whatever is, there are so many therapists out there. So, you know, being able to really think about, okay, so is it important for you to see someone older than you, someone younger than you, someone the same, gender and then being able to be willing to look at, you know, doing some intake calls. Um, and then I say this, I work with a lot of people with anxiety. So like you can try, you don't ever have to come back. Right. So that's the other thing. Right. right? So it's not like you're signing a mortgage and you have to you know, come right. here. Um, that's another thing that we're, you know, if a therapist is doing, we're not allowed to, because like we're not selling you eight sessions and guaranteeing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, most people, I find this especially with men that come in, um, will say, oh my God, that was not that bad. And yeah. they will be like, At, when can I come back? Usually yeah. when they step up. So yeah. um, I guess like just to what we were talking about, you know, be, I think that therapy is made, there's this, there's this perception that it's really scary and it really, it doesn't need to be right and so we do a a, a, you know we have coffee it's comfortable here like trying to make it as um you know not overwhelming and um as possible yeah no it's great and i think those are great points like the why is so important always knowing Mm. the why and then finding the right person is a lot of what you like Mm. talked about Mm -hmm. then and then yeah, oftentimes it's not as scary as you think, which is like m- majority of challenges that yeah. we have in our life. Right? Totally. But I can I can relate to why people have the fear of mm-hmm. doing it. But hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Okay, let's transition to some rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, favorite local coffee shop. <laughs> One of your favorite local coffee shops. Okay, but people make fun of me because I like Tim Hortons coffee. It's okay. <laughs> There's no hate. There's no hate on. We're, I'm a big coffee fan, but I think like. Um, but I'm a I'm a Mulberry person. Okay. Yeah. Um, They're good. 
I don't like strong coffee and like really good coffee. There's a lot of really good there's coffee places. On, on the street. Yeah. yeah so there's yeah. Smalls. The general store has coffee. Yes. But, my, my business partner used to say this quote. He's like, all coffee is good coffee, but some coffee is great coffee. Okay. That makes sense. So it's like Tim Hortons. Cool. Yeah. 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 I'll, just, I'll tell you a quick rapid fire story about coffee. So all of the therapists that start here, there's been a whole bunch of them. Just, I think Sasha and I are the only ones that haven't, that didn't drink coffee. And then they started here and they got, they went on this roller coaster of like being hooked on coffee. Yeah, yeah. And then like now everybody's on decaf. So I, I've ruined <laughs> coffee for everybody. Yeah. Um, but yes, I would say I, I like my walk to, to Mulberry. Yeah, they're the great. It's a good yes. vibe there. Yes. Um, what would be one of like your favorite local like restaurants? I know there's a ton even just on the street, but so maybe or one of your most or your more recently frequented restaurants that you enjoyed. My favorite food is French fries. Okay. With ketchup and yeah. Merit Brewing has the best French fries. Okay. And anywhere. I've had I, I've had Merit's French fries before. They're very good, but I never paid close enough attention. to They're you. fantastic. Yeah. Yes. They and they they, they, they do give you like fancy dipping sauce, but I just ask for ketchup because yeah. I don't need the fancy. Yeah, I'm a big ketchup guy. <laughs> they do. So I would say. I would, uh, yeah, I would say, okay. yeah, yes, that's... we've, uh, the team and I, like we've, we've gone, our last, um, team dinner was at the mule and yeah. cow bunga pizza is fairly new and they're yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, you guys are surrounded, like we really are. It's dangerous being here. I'd imagine. Yes. And we burnt tongue is uh, multiple times a week because yeah, it, they're is, fast and you can just they have a spot in Dundas, which yes. is where our, our space yeah. is at. Um, and so, yeah. It's a, it's a place we like to go as well. Yeah, it's a quick walk for us. Um, what uh, What's some of your favorite ways to stay active? I'm a runner. Nice. Yeah, so um, activity was a bit of a part of my eating disorder. Yeah. So part of my recovery over the years has been kind of figuring about it, a balance, pardon me with that. Um, so I like to run, I do some cycling, um, and that's it. Cool. And I'm old now so i'm supposed to be weight training so i've been trying i that. can get behind that <laughs> i don't think you're old but i can get behind the weight training thing yeah so i have training. i am trying is that what it's called weight try weight I, training, I do have training. i straight that's what i yeah, mean yeah, to say yeah, yeah, yeah. that has that has started great in when yeah. i turned 40 so yeah that's yeah. great yeah um do you like running on the road or trail um or used to be on the road only, um, and then COVID, and I, I purchased a treadmill. So okay, now, so now because of the hour in which I have to wake up and I don't like running in the dark. Yeah, um, fair. That's where it's happening yeah. mostly. That's yeah, good. I have a a dog who I love. Um, I have a black lab, and I attempted to run with her. And that would help me to feel safer yeah, running, sure. but that's not happening. She's, <laughs> she's just wants me to basically hold her the whole time. So we're, we're running on the treadmill. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, what actually I'll just, let's transition to the, to the last question is what does a move local mean to you? So I like to ask everyone this. Yeah. It's not like what you think I want it to be. I know. Yeah. Yeah. More of like okay. how you feel when you hear those words. I think that. <sighs> this is going to sound really corny and you'll only believe me if you know me, like I'm a huge community person. And I think that part of connecting with people and getting to, you have to connect and you have to know, and you have to like, okay, now I know your face and I know your clinic and I know I'm going to refer to that place over there because I met the owner. The reason, one of the reasons I love merit so much is because during COVID, not through buying beer only, but I would go in there all the time because I wanted all the places to stay yeah. open, right? So I think Move Local, we have to stay connected. And I think especially as healthcare professionals working in this arena, right? We're working in private in the private world. Um, it's really easy to kind of isolate and exist in your own little silo. And it's always been really important to me to get out there and help to understand, okay, so if I'm going to refer over there, I got to get to know the people. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, um, I really like what you're doing in terms of 
I think supporting entrepreneurs who are really trying hard to um, do things authentically. I listened to, I think it was one of your first ones this morning with um, the person who, I don't remember her name, but the okay. store on James or something. She was talking yeah, about art and the reason James, why yeah. she was doing art. And like yeah. these are things that are, are really, really important for people to kind of have a face behind what the various things are. I think it's really important. I think that people have to understand that we're human beings behind our businesses as well. That's a whole other conversation. Totally. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the big reason why we want to start this podcast is like when I came to Hamilton in 2020 when we opened our business, I was very blown away by the business, the small business in Hamilton mm-hmm. and Dundas and how unique and special some of the stories were that, yeah. and the things that people were doing. Like mm-hmm. I was in London and I'm originally from like the Windsor area. Um, and I was very taken back by the small business community mm-hmm. here in a, in a very good way. Mm-hmm. And that's what really made me want to start having conversations. Cause I'm like, Oh, there's, how's no one doing this? Like there's so mm-hmm. many good people that are doing such great things that, mm-hmm. um, people need to know more about and like we need to support each other yeah and it's so cool to see like the connections after like having you know done you know we're up to like 85 episodes now or something like that like seeing the connections between the different people Mm -hmm. that i've interviewed and like Mm -hmm. they know this person they know that person Mm -hmm. it just it makes me happy because i'm like yeah this is like this was all happening but like to bring it more to light i think is so important and hopefully it connects like some of your community with our community with you know, great and grits community with hundred percent. And it's, it's yeah. like the way that you keep the, the small business community going. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. I was looking on your page. I was like, Oh, I just did a speaking thing with, with Alyssa from, um, darling donuts. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, she approached me a little while ago and then, um, the nutritionist that used to work with us, like her brother-in-law was on your podcast because oh, really? they're all That's local. Hilarious. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's great. So it's good that you guys are doing that. Um, sweet. So if anyone wants to work with you or your team or find more about what you guys do, what would be the best place? Our website. Website. I, as you can, I don't, we don't have an, uh, there's no secretary here. Yes. So, and we're always in session. So nobody's answering the phone. I yeah. do check the messages yeah. occasionally, but the best place is to reach out through there yeah and I do um try really hard to stay connected with some of the other local Hamilton therapists as well so if we can't help you here um it's it's pretty important to me to help um with that community as well awesome yeah I'll uh, I'll link the website in the show notes guys awesome. if you're looking to to work with Carly or learn more about her team head over there check it out Thanks so much for your time. It's a yeah. great conversation. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Okay. And uh, I'm sure we'll connect with some other clients. Okay. Thanks. Thanks.